Welcome to the Edutainer Podcast. My name is Erin Albert, and in this podcast, we explore the intersection of education and entertainment. Stay tuned for another great episode coming up next. The Women's History Month Jane Austen and Sanditon Celebration continues here at the Edutainer Podcast miniseries for the month of March 2020. My name is Erin Albert, and I'm host of the Edutainer Podcast. As we swing over to the entertainment side of the house versus the education side, where we normally spend a lot of our time, we're back today focused on English literature and the teachers out there who support and love to teach Jane Austen. Our guest today is Karen Kennedy, and she's a high school English literature and French teacher for over 15 years. She's been a huge fan of Jane Austen since she herself was in high school, and she's read all of her novels and enjoyed many of the screen adaptations. Again, I found her through the Facebook page for Sanditon. And by the way, if you have not joined us on our crusade to try to get a Sanditon Season 2, head on over to the first episode of this miniseries and look at the show notes. I've given you all kinds of places where you can sign the petitions and get involved on and through social media. So I'm excited to share with you my conversation today with Karen Kennedy. Well, we're here today with Karen Kennedy, also a lover of Jane Austen and Sanditon. Karen, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So excited about this mini-series. It's not my usual forte, but in the interest of Women's History Month this March, I definitely wanted to go there. So let's start with the same question I always start with. Tell us about yourself. Sure, so um, I'm actually originally from Italy, um, but I've lived in North Carolina and in the USA most of my life. And, I speak four languages, I'm a seasoned traveler and uh, a lover of of British literature, uh, mostly the Regency style, so Jane Austen being my favorite. Um, I'm also, as you'll say in my bio, I'm a teacher and I like to share my love of literature and travel with my students. I often take students on educational trips abroad and just returned from a UK trip. Uh, We did Scotland, England, and Ireland, and Wales, uh, in which, by the way, we got to visit Bath, which was a home, uh, one of the homes of Jane Austen. Oh, awesome. I love to travel too. What's, what's your favorite place you've been to in maybe the past 10 years? Oh my. So probably the most recent, uh, recent, uh, trip was, like I said, we went to the UK and I just fell in love with the Lake District. You know, I, I dreamed of it after reading about it in Pride and Prejudice and, and to have been able to see it for myself, it, it was spectacular. Yes, exciting. So when did your passion or love for Jane Austen start? And why do you think you have such an affinity for her and her writings? Well, uh, it started in high school, uh, way back when. Um, and my English teacher at the time, Ms. Uh, Ms. Van Boulois, I remember her very well. And uh, she introduced us to Pride and Prejudice. And it's my first novel of Jane Austen's that I read and uh, has now, you know, carried on to be my, still my most favorite. It was pretty much a love at first read. And 
subsequently, I, you know, I had to do a, a book report on it. And after that, I devoured the rest of her novels, studied her in, in college. And But uh, Pride and Prejudice has remained my, my most favorite. Um, I've also seen numerous adaptations as well, and I've enjoyed those immensely. <laughs> so Jane Austen, I think she uh, appealed because a... A lot of women, you know, such as I, we're hopeless romantics, and we just love to see the happy, the happy endings. And uh, also, I think I like the idea of the of the lady heroines who are not just uh, sit at home waiting for the prince to rescue them, even though their desire is to be married. But they seem to be their own person, and I really identify with that. And they, I identify with their desire to not just be a part of the regular you know society conforming to society they they choose to stand up against the social mores i guess and and be their own independent person yeah and i kind of love that underseen current across the sanditon sisterhood online too so that was one of the other things that started this whole series we'll get we'll get there in a minute i promise yeah. so you're also a, a teacher karen Yes. How do you weave Jane Austen's stories and your passions around Jane Austen throughout your teaching and your curriculum? Well, I'll be honest. Um, I've been mostly assigned to teach uh, American literature right now, but I've just been assigned this year to teach uh, British literature. So I'm very excited because I plan on introducing Jane Austen to my students. I've been doing a lot of uh, some research on different lesson plans and Part of my, you know, nervousness and anxiety before uh, this, this opportunity, you know, begins is, are they going to love Jane Austen the way I do? Probably not, but I don't want them to hate her. And I said, I've got to do a good job of introducing her so that they'll at least understand her and like her. So the way I'm, I'm going to choose to present, which is what I actually do in most of uh, novels and stories that I teach my students, is I find the, uh, the themes that they can relate to. And what teenager can't relate to misjudging someone on first uh, on first interaction and then finding out that maybe they're not that's not how they were you know um, after all or trying not to succumb to the pressures of, of of peer pressure and finding and trying to find who they are and and where they stand in the world without uh, conforming to what society says they have to do or be. So those are those are the things that I mean Jane Austen is rife with those in, in all of her novels and those are themes that are just timeless and anyone I find can should be able to relate to that. Yeah. So we're gonna go to the heart of the matter. The whole mm-hmm. reason this podcast miniseries started was around this kind of outcry of the Sanditon masterpiece ending for season one and the the kind of ripe demand for a season two. Um, the hashtag that's been used a lot on Twitter is the Sanditon Sisterhood, and I know there's a huge groundswell on Facebook as well. How have you been engaged in that, Karen, and why, if you feel passionately about a season two, do you think now would be a good time to just make sure that that's nailed down and that happens? Well, let me just say, we just don't have enough time for me to express all of my opinions on this. So I will try to make it as short as possible. <laughs> but uh, but the main, I believe, the driving force here is that, first of all, Andrew Davies has done the most masterful 
job that he possibly could in this in this remake of, of this making of Stan Ditton. His production crew, the the filming, the cinematography, the acting just couldn't be any more perfect. If you ask most fans in, who have watched this and invested in, in the show, they're all of the same opinion. I, I really believe that he has latched, Andrew Davies has latched onto the spirit of Jane Austen when he created this screenplay and adaptation. And this is the chemistry that is, that is, that is in the characters and not just obviously Sydney and Charlotte, but in all of the characters, you know, as you watch them, you're like, no one else can be this person. No one else can be uh, Lady Denim. No one else can be Charlotte. And no one else can be uh, Esther. And and they could because they embody the characters so much. And on top of that, the story that is told. This is this was uh, Jane Austen's last uh, last novel that she did not finish, of course, and um, unfortunately. But you, you see with the story developing that it's that she's telling a new story. And she's always been someone who pushed the envelope and in her uh, criticism of uh, women's roles and, and the, the roles of society during the time. And uh, she did it in a very subtle way at first. And then I think as she grew as an author and, and, and gained more readership, it became less subtle. And I believe this was going to be the uh, most forward moving and kind of novel that she's ever had embarked upon. And it would have been just a story that that really pushed going forward in time and moving ahead with the times and moving away from the the mannerisms and the etiquette and having to conform to that so so that's why i feel like this is an important story to tell because what happens in the end though as the move as the series ends it doesn't give us that that jane austen ending it doesn't have that jane austen feel so it all starts, but then it's a serious letdown and it just feels unresolved. So how do we fix it? What would you want to see? Let's wave our magic wand and assume that the Sanditon Sisterhood has been proactive. We got it funded. Uh, season two was definitely coming. Describe what a Jane Austen happily ever after ending would look like for you. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I would love to use uh, Jane Austen's quote herself that, you know, that she gives us uh, what she says that after, after a time and after some trouble, uh, my heroine will get all that she desires. So I think uh, that's what we want to see. You know, we, we don't mind the, the characters, you know, going through some trouble and want them to see, to have growth and, and to experience uh the sacrifice and and the the, the pains of, of growth and and change but in the end we, we want to see them you know happy we want to see things resolved and uh, and not, not just for uh, Charlotte and Sydney but uh, for the other characters as well even even our villains you know Clara and uh, and Sir Edward we want to see what happens to them and, and if they if they learn from their mistakes or, you know, do they meet a demise? And there needs to be resolve here. So I, I think I think that's the, what the fans need and what the fans deserve. And I think that's what Jane Austen would want for her as well. What characters beyond the, the few that you mentioned, the villains, would you want to see developed in Sanditon season two? Well, I think the, the backstory 
Eliza and Sydney would be interesting to, you know, we, we all wondering what, what happened in the past. You know, we know that there was a relationship there and, 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 and they, and that Eliza left uh, Sydney for another richer man. But, you know, I think we want to see that a little bit of that backstory and a little bit interaction of what happened and maybe, and also his backstory of what happened in Antigua with Miss Lamb and what brought them to, uh, to London and what has, Miss Lamb's despising Sydney so much. Uh, and then moving forward, you want to see maybe uh, Mr. Stringer and see him, you know, happy and not left, left, in, the, left, left in the dust. Some are shooting for uh, happily ever after for him with Charlotte. Others are saying, let him meet his sis you know, her sister, Allison, and let them get married. So uh, there's so many, uh, there's so many stories out there that, that fans have already started developing for themselves. There's just an infinite way this could end, and, but end uh, in a satisfying way, you know, as opposed to just everyone being up in the air. I think uh, we'd like to see maybe this story with Miss Lamb and Otis uh, possibly take root or uh, maybe her find someone else as well. And uh, again, there's, it just feels like there is such a loose end for so many of the characters that become endearing, not just the main characters, but our other supporting cast as well. Yeah. And to go back to the, the triangle, if you will, Mr. Stringer and Sydney Parker were both kind of vowing for Charlotte's affection. In the end, she doesn't end up with either of them. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen the series, but it's not a happy ending. So, so I guess my question with that, since you've, you know, studied her literature, since you've uh, been passionate about Jane Austen, what do you think she might think of Andrew Davies' ending to season one? Well, I'll say this much. You know, I believe, again, you know, having been able to get to know her some through her writings, I think she would have enjoyed the little bit of risque that was added to the, you know, to modernize the story some. I think she would have enjoyed the little nuances and differences and, and maybe had a, a, herself a good laugh as well. And um, at the, cause she loved a good awkward situation. I mean, she presented so many and, and I think she, you know, she loved to look on um, as well. I forgot to mention also uh, a character such as Lady, Lady Susan, um, you know, she would, oh, uh, yeah. I, I get the feeling that uh, for me, she is Lady Susan watching and, and making things happen behind the scenes and, and just uh, being the, the, that one person who has transcended society and uh, does not seem to have to follow the rules uh, and also gets to uh, bestow her good graces on who she chooses, whether it's uh, someone from her same status or someone lower status, uh, whoever appeals to her. And I, so I find Jane Austen being this lady season type uh, person in her novels. And I think she would be quite offended and at the way things have turned out, if that is the way that it ends. If this is just a cliffhanger or an intermission portion of the novel, I think she was a great right on. This is a wonderful place to, uh, for the novel to to break, you know, to this the first act or second act. But I believe she would be heartily dissatisfied and angered in knowing that this is how it ends. And for the people who say, uh, well, you know, reality you know, life, life uh, the re in the real world, you know, doesn't always end happily. And that's true. But 
Jane Austen didn't write for the, you know, the real world. She experienced enough of the real world so that in her novels, you know, she says she wants her characters to be happy and she wants her characters to get what they desire, you know, which is usually marrying for love. And I believe that's something she felt strongly about. So to have her main heroine as someone who is as independent and, and ambitious and, and, uh, and, but a pure character as Charlotte to be left at the end devastated and having to uh, recoil back back home and go backwards instead of forwards that's not a way to end uh, a novel at least not a Jane Austen novel or any romance novel for that matter. Yeah and just to go back to Lady Susan she was kind of this enigmatic figure that Charlotte met at a ball in London who she had no idea who she was until she showed up later back at Sanditon and she has very high stature in London society and she kind of takes Charlotte under her wing it's almost a fairy godmother in a kind of way yes, I thought yes often and there's not yeah and there wasn't much said about Susan other than she knew what was going on at various levels in society at that point <laughs> and she was kind of she was on the sidelines rooting for Charlotte and telling yeah. her, you know, the game isn't over yet. So exactly. I found, I, yeah, I found her character to be one of the most fascinating and most undone um, for me. Yes. Dissatisfying. Exactly. <laughs> so Karen, I didn't put this on the script, but how have you been involved uh, socially online relative to the second season because as as we are taping this there is still no second season on the books for any of the former production companies right well um, i was a little bit late to the party um i remember seeing um the various uh commercials and and, and advertisements for sam didn't coming on. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I, you know, I, I had not really heard about all of the clamor and been online at all prior to the the show, the release of it in, in the US. So I didn't have any foreknowledge as to what was going on. Uh, this this battle for Sanditon at all. So I remember watching it and I was hooked immediately. I got onto Masterpiece website and I bought the passport and immediately just binged them all. I could not handle waiting <laughs> a week at a time. So I remember getting to the last episode and watching it and being so utterly devastated. And I said, okay. And I went online and I said, okay, when is season two coming? Because obviously there's got to be a season two. And I remember as, as I started researching, I just became more and more just despondent in, in hearing the stories. I took to Facebook to see if there was anyone else who might have the set in Sam Ditton pineapple page. And it, within a matter of a few days, I, uh, I had found a new group of friends, a connection to all these Jane Austen uh, uh, lovers. And, you know, and I think it's, it's been so refreshing and uh, so inspiring to see all these people rally around something that, you know, and because I honestly, as many, I think many of us share on our on our pages that we know those who don't understand and who don't know Jane Austen and aren't as uh, uh, involved, I should say, as fans of hers, um, they don't get it, and they think you know they all look at us like we're we're insane. My children look at me as I'm insane. My husband barely tolerates it. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so God bless him. I, I he's he's a dear. So, uh, just, but 
to have found this group and, and to see the amount of devotion and what they're willing to do has really inspired me. And I've, I've gone full on. I, uh, I tweet almost every day, which I never tweeted before. I had an account, I think, for to use as, as a teacher to tweet things, but I just wasn't really, it wasn't my thing. But um, ever since I started, you know, using the, being on the standard page and being a part of this campaign, I mean, I've thrown myself in. I am posting, I am watching the videos, I'm liking everything, I'm, I'm tweeting, and I'm even going to be involved in the letter writing campaign that will be starting soon. So we have even, I think some fans have even set to, mailing fan mail to Theo James right now, who is about to star in a, in a production on the, at the Garrick and they're sending him pineapples and postcards and saying, please, you know, come back to season two, please bring us a season two. So I am just in such awe at, at this sheer devotion to bring this because it, it has really caused an, a, a serious epidemic, uh, worse than the coronavirus, quite frankly. So. well if nothing else a nice diversion from the coronavirus since that seems to be taking over everything so karen what why do you think jane austen and her stories holistically have stood the test of time i think um deep down we want to see the underdog win Uh, most of her characters you know they're they're not the the what would you call them the ones who are high up in society and who have all the influence and and are uh, the most fashionable or the most popular, you know, everyone I think under, relates to the underdog, whether they are or not. But I think most of us see ourselves as the underdog, and the idea of of, of this woman, especially as women, you know, we sometimes just uh, as a force of of habit, we seem to find ourselves the underdog. So. Um, we we can in, aspire and be inspired by her stories of seeing someone who stands up for for themselves and who is independent, and and is rewarded in the end for it. Um, you know, in her novels, it's she's they're rewarded with finding um, not only love in a marriage but also financial security. They get both. Um, some people are just are not in re, in real life are not. Um, as fortunate. So sometimes they have to choose. And as it was back then, it still is now, whether it's uh, different things. But I think we find that uh, we don't always in in, uh, in real life get to have everything. And it's nice to be able to look back uh, and, and go and escape to Jane Austen's stories to see someone who understands that and is willing to give us that that happy ending and something to hope for. So in closing, Karen, tell us how we can connect in meaningful ways to you. And then maybe you can talk a little bit about the letter writing campaign that's going to go forward. Sure. I'm on, let's see, I'm on, uh, on Facebook uh, in, under Karen Kennedy. Uh, you can find me also on uh, Instagram. My handle is delightfully eccentric. That was a toying term coined by one of my college professors of me. Uh, so okay my English college professor. So I went with that. I'm also on Twitter as uh, CF Frenchie 77. One of the things I'm also doing, and I, I would love to say this is that I have been inspired because of this uh, Sand Denton campaign to write myself. And it's something I never had never aspired to before, but because of this, uh, I found that I have a love of writing. 
I started writing some fan fiction uh, to end to end the season, the season one. I decided I didn't like the ending, and I think I can write my own ending and 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 for cathartic purposes. And as I started writing, I I realized that um you know I think I'm I'm pretty good at this, and maybe I'll put this on online to see what people think. And uh, so it's, that's just started. It's just a couple days ago I I posted on um on archives of our own, and uh, I taught I titled my little fan fiction, uh, Love's Ambition. So it's a sand in continuation. So that is a, a way that I've also chosen to continue on with my sand admiration. And then if you go to the sand Facebook page, you'll see the campaign. Uh, but if you go to the fan book page, um, Facebook page, you will find the post for this. But we'll all on the same day, be sending various letters to different uh, businesses, most of them being uh, Red Planet, Amazon, and uh, PBS, trying to get, find support from them by everyone sending letters at the same time and, and hopefully flooding and inundating them enough to, to realize, oh, this is not just a, a small group of people, this is a large group of people, which means more money and viewership for them. Definitely it'd be easy to find uh, when you go online to the the facebook pages yeah and they're definitely posted at twitter too i've seen them uh yeah. tweeting and the hashtags that i've seen online are save sanditon sanditon sisterhood and sanditon season two so if you yes. want to follow those hashtags over at twitter but i guess my favorite thing in closing and um what i'm excited to hear about from you karen is that you took action based upon watching a TV series. I mean, you bought crazy. a masterpiece subscription, <laughs> you bought a subscription, you got on Twitter, which you said you didn't really do that much. And you're writing now, you're writing your own happily ever after. And I love all three of those outcomes. And that's why I really wanted to do this series because it's a great show. I love Jane Austen too. But the Sanditon Sisterhood is not going to take it lying down. And that has been my favorite part of this whole yes. series. Thank you so much for sharing your own happily ever afters, even though our season two isn't quite here yet. Um, there's also a petition on out there that you can sign up. We've got about 40,000 people who have signed yes. the petition thus far. So there's lots of ways to get involved. And Karen, thank you so much for sharing your outcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was really an honor. So another happy ending to our podcast miniseries celebrating Jane Austen Women's History Month in Sanditon, even though we still haven't gotten our happily ever after ending from the show. So tune in next time. I've got another great episode coming up with another surprise guest who's actually based in Hollywood. She works in production for television. So she will too will have an interesting perspective on what it's going to take to get to Sanditon season two. My name is Erin Albert. You can always follow me over at Twitter at Erin L. Albert. And I'm also over at Instagram at Erin Albert. Until next time, take care.